from Auntie Freehouse. We're not live. <gasps> but it's for your own good. We'll be talking about business, real estate. Unicorns. Uh, no. Motivation. Pop culture. Giddy. Absolutely not. Sports. Good friends. Yeah, maybe good friends. Hey, look, kid. Why don't you just go get your own podcast? Fine, do it yourself. Maybe I will. All right, hello. Today's episode, we are talking about projecting positivity. And my guest is local legend, Mr. Phil Albuquerque. Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Glad, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. It took a little while to get this off the ground, huh? Well, you know, we, you have your schedule, I have mine, and it's tough. Even being positive, it's tough to get together. Absolutely, and I, I kept telling you that being a legend takes a lot of time. It does, so. yes. <laughs> so, I've known you for about a year now, and do you remember where we met? I think it was Toastmasters. It was Toastmasters, indeed. So let's hear it from the, from the legend's mouth, because you're the president of the Lake Charles Toastmasters Club. Yes. What, what is Toastmasters, and why... Should someone think about Toastmasters? Well, the first question I ask people is what have they heard about Toastmasters? I like coming from their direction. Sometimes they've never heard of it, or if they have, they think it's just about learning how to make a toast. So people just think about it if they need to go to a wedding, or they need to talk in public and that sort of thing. But it's much more than that, Mark. I tell people not only does it give you confidence in speaking, but it helps you grow, it helps you organize and helps you manage so many other different things and what I do is I invite them to a meeting and say just be my guest and come see what it's all about because it's not all about just public speaking a lot more than that right well it seems like you are a great public speaker and I know just going to the meetings that you every time you give a speech you seem like you know you're done it's like the seeing the guys at the gym that are completely fit why are you at the gym you already won you're already you're fit so what do you get out of Toastmasters now? It seems like you're already an expert speaker. Well, I can't speak for the gym, the guys. I don't know because I've never gone to a gym, and I don't know why they keep doing that. But I can tell you, on my end, I think there's always room for improvement in speaking, understanding other people, watching how they speak, humor, sensitivity, being direct, motion, hand gestures, eye contact. So many different things that you can always learn, I think. So... It looks like I'm confident up there. It looks like to you and maybe to others, why is he there? But to me inside, I'm learning every every meeting, every time I see anybody up there. I'm watching and learning. And as you know, in Toastmasters, we are supposed to give them positive feedback and a little tip on how they could have done it a little bit better. Absolutely. And I know just from personal experience, when I was starting out, I struggled with some of my speeches and I know... No matter how bad it went in my head, you gave me excellent positive feedback with emphasis on positive. It's really tough up there when you think everything is, is going bad. It's very easy to get lost in that. And it is awesome. It is really great to have you know, 15, 20 people in there just watching you. And at the end, it's just the positive vibes. It's the positive comments. And everyone says, hey, you did great. Because they know, really, at the end of the day, that it's hard and they did the same thing they struggled and even you you tell me all the time even though you sound like you are an expert you are a legend you struggle with that you get nervous and I saw you during the competition we had uh, we went to a competition what was it 
four months ago? I think it was April. April? I think so. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what month this is. But we went to a competition, <laughs> and Phil and I both went on to we, – we won our local competition, regional competition, and we went all the way to the district competition in New Orleans. And the competition there was just insanely elevated uh, compared to what we had seen before. And Phil, I think for the first time since I've known him, looked nervous. He visibly looked nervous. And I, I actually appreciate that, Phil. When I saw you kind of looking nervous, I felt like, okay, this guy is human. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he has to try a little bit. Maybe it doesn't just come naturally to him. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. I saw you when uh, my girlfriend and I stuck up to the ho- out of the hotel to get coffee. You were down talking to some chairs like Clint Eastwood uh, right. as your audience. And uh, I don't know, I just appreciated that. It was, it was good. I felt bad. I was like, maybe I should go down there and sit in a chair. But I, there's one thing that, you know, trumps everything. It's, it's coffee for me. So I apologize for that. But <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good to see that. And I also want to say, I, th- I thought you were great. Since I met you, I thought you were great, like a very interesting person. But I never internalized it until my daughter met you. So for those of you that listened to my last episode know I have a 17-year-old daughter. What you don't know is she's extremely negative. She's the anti-filled Albuquerque. She <laughs> thinks negative about everything. She's 17. She doesn't like people. Um, but we left the regional competition in Alexandria for Toastmasters. And I don't know why she went with me. Oh, I know why she went with me. She went with me because we were going to see Avengers or after that. So that's the only reason she went with me. But she loved it. We left, and I didn't say anything to her. Completely unprompted, she's like, Dad, I like Phil. And I was like, I do too. She goes, no, I really, really like Phil. He's the most interesting man I've ever met in my entire life. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and that just made me, honestly, and I'm not trying to embarrass you or, or put you on the spot. Like, that made me think even more, like, man, Phil is interesting, very interesting. And she didn't even know, she only knew the very surface of Phil from his speech. Didn't really talk to him, just listen to his speech. And uh, so I get to listen to Phil's, a lot of Phil's speech and just have conversations with you. And it's, it's just, it's, it's cool. Like you are, your positivity, even for me, because people tell me I'm like too positive or overly positive, not in a bad way, but they say, oh, you're so positive. And I don't feel that way. But when I look at you, I feel completely inferior in my positivity. So, like, I don't know how you do it. I mean, do you wake up just super positive, brimming with positivity? I do. I wake up every day positive. I go to bed positive. In fact, when uh, we get together, my girl and my boy, at dinner time, at the end of dinner time, we have this routine that we have to say what our favorite part of the day was, what we're most grateful for, and a special moment of the day. So even at dinner time, as a family, we have to we go around the table and we express those three things. And that's what I focus on when I wake up, when I go to bed, is the good things. There's always going to be bad things, but it could always be worse. And there's so many things to be grateful for. It doesn't take long to look on the internet or on television just to see people in a much worse place and for us to feel grateful for what we have. I struggle with that. I struggle looking on the internet uh, because for my job, as a realtor, I'm on Facebook a lot. I'm on Facebook pages just trying to connect with people that way that I don't know. And I struggle really, really hard with all the negativity because I'm a positive person, but when I see someone being negative, I kind of, I catch myself trying to 
push positivity on them and it turns out negative. Because they're being so negative, I kind of punch them in the mouth with positivity, which looks negative. And I just kind of struggle with that. But the way you do everything, you do everything like smooth in, in that I know. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't follow you around every day. I'm not stalking you, but you seem to just handle every situation I've ever seen you handle very smoothly and just laid back. Even like your stuff, even your style of dress, everything's just, I'm laid back. You're just laid back. I know listeners can't see Phil, but he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And I don't think I've seen him not wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And it's just, it's just part of his vibe. And it's like very laid back. Seems like you should live in Hawaii. I would love to. I, I, I love warm weather. You know, I came from the north where it was cold and snow and ice and scraping. And I wore, you know, those masks with the two little eyes, you know. And yeah, I grew it up, was cold. Yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. So, yeah, same same thing. You know. I But I don't, I still, I miss the cold, actually. I miss, I'm more of a, I'm more of a fall, winter guy. I, I mean, I don't love negative temperatures you know, nobody really does. People say that. People are like, oh, how can you live in, how can you live up north? It's so cold. Well, I tell people when it's cold, you go inside or you wear more clothes. Um, so I don't know. I So you like, you actually gave a speech uh, in Toastmasters about how you love the hot weather here. And I don't know if you were just being positive. I remember that because I was in a weird place. I was in a very, I guess I was almost depressed from when I moved here. I didn't, I didn't like it here. I guess mostly more because of my situation than the place itself, but it kind of projected onto everything. It projected onto the place, onto the people. The people here are great. Place is, is great, but it, you know, my funk, I was in a certain funky place, and you gave a speech about how great Lake Charles was. The weather was great. The traffic was great, and I was just like, is he just really good at, you know, making stuff up? Because I, I don't like, everything he just said is like opposite of what I think. But it got me thinking. Like it's it's a mind it's a mindset. It isn't as bad as I made it out to be. You know, yeah, it's humid out and the traffic is bad, but it's not that big of a deal. I was making it a really big deal. I was focusing on the bad things, and you took the things that I was focusing on bad. You know, it had nothing to do with me. You had no idea that I didn't like the air. Like I didn't like what was going on. But you were just like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's perfect. And not that I completely shifted my mind at that moment, but. It got me thinking, like maybe it's maybe it's me, and, and honestly, it was me. So it's kind of interesting how you can have effect. That's kind of what I want to talk about today. You probably don't wake up in the morning to positively affect other people, but your positivity you project it all the time, or at least all the time that I see you, and it's it's contagious. Negativity is contagious, but so is positivity, and people don't realize that. And I think, unfortunately, the negativity is more contagious, or maybe it's just more prevalent in society, especially, I guess, with the with the internet, with technology now. It's like we'd like to complain about stuff, but I would say equally powerful, or even more powerful, is positivity. People just don't do it all the time. And it's, I guess a question for you is, do you ever, I mean, you told me that you purposely sit down at the dinner table and talk about what things that are good, things to be grateful for, and that's awesome. But besides that, do you ever think about during the day that you need to be more positive or think about like, am I being positive or do you just do it? You just live it that way. It just comes naturally. It's just the way I am. I think it's easy to be negative. It's easy to look and complain. And I agree with you. I think our society is all about complaining and you can talk to anybody in customer service. It's what they hear all the time. I think it's 
easier for us to make excuses why we're not happy or why things aren't right in our life. It's easy to point to outside things. That's not the way I live. I point inside. If things aren't right, what am I not saying correctly or doing correctly? If things aren't right in my relationship or my family, first I look inside and say, what kind of person am I? What have I been like and what have I said the past few days and what can I do to improve myself? We all need to be responsible for our own actions and even our thoughts, Mark. And that's what I teach even my little boy who's nine years old is it's up to you to design your thought process and what's going in your head and you have an opportunity to turn that around. So let's say I pull up to a traffic light and I'm the fourth car which is like a traffic jam here at Lake Charles and I need to get somewhere right away. If I find myself stressed and like look it's green and the guy's not going it is my choice to either decide to get stressed because he's not moving and I might not make the light or it's a decision to look around and say, well, geez, now that he's not going on that green light, I took and look at those beautiful geraniums to my left. Those are some nice flowers over there. You have an opportunity to do that. You don't have to follow your thought process. You can change it, but you have to be conscious of your thought and you have to want to change it. Now, my choice, like I teach my little boys, would you like to be happy all day or would you like to be stressed or sad or disgusted all day? Because you can't play your game. Which would you like to be, happy or sad? And of course, everybody says we'd like to be happy. I don't know anybody who wants to be sad. Well, that's a choice. You can think about good things. Well, maybe mom and dad aren't going to let you play on your screen because he's only allowed minimum time on a screen per day. Mm -hmm. But what a fun thing that we can do together playing blocks or playing Scrabble, playing another game outside. There's so many things. So to answer your question... Yes, it's just a natural thing for me to think happy thoughts because I want to be happy. My life isn't any different than than anybody else. There are so many things happening in my life that are not happy and stressful and ugly and not fair. But I choose not to focus on that, but to focus on the positive and make a change and make a difference instead of focusing on the negative. That's awesome. My biggest struggle, honestly, and I'm the same way. I I do think positively, but my biggest problem, and I don't know how to fix it yet, is I think very quick. So my initial reaction, especially for traffic, this happened to me yesterday, a guy going around. It irritates me when people don't know how to merge. So someone did something stupid merging, and it I should have just let it go. It shouldn't have bothered me because it already happened. It was done. It was gone. Nothing I was going to do at that point affect anything. But I actually ended up next to him on the I-10 bridge. We're stuck, and I, I rolled my window down and told him to learn how to drive, and it was very negative. And we actually had words back and forth, and, like, that's not good. And I thought about it. Like, it didn't do anything for me. It didn't do anything for that guy. That guy's not going to change anything he did. He's not going to, like, oh, man, this guy told me I should learn how to drive. I should probably do better driving. He just thought I was some crazy dude, and I was just angry. And I was actually angry for, like, two hours last night and I could not let it go and really I think what bothered me is not just that guy didn't bother me he didn't affect my life but I was bothered that I was so affected by that and then I kept thinking about how I was affected by it and it's just it's weird it's very negative it's it's a snowball it's a domino effect just like positivity is a domino effect negativity is a domino effect so it's just weird but I struggle with that and I know like I I concentrate on it so much to think positively and just have a positive mindset and and be hopeful and everything and that you know goes against that but it was all because of that one you know that was my initial quick reaction and i just couldn't i couldn't 
let it go. So are you so like even keel that you don't even react? Or do you or are you just good at are you just very in tune and you just let it go instantly? Well, I think it depends on the situation, Mark, but there aren't many things that happen on a daily basis that I need to react immediately in a negative way. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know we have our travel agency here, yeah. and my girl works with me in the office, and she is totally amazed when somebody comes in in a certain way looking for a reaction and they don't get it. Now, it's, it's not often, but maybe a plane was delayed or maybe somebody missed their flight or something due to weather and they come in upset at us and of course we had nothing to do with the airline but it's no reason for me to react so to answer your question i i always take a deep breath and really i am able to look at a situation before i react unless it's something that deserves an instant reaction with my child or with sammy or something that deserves it immediately right i can jump into that mode too but rarely do i need to i think we jump too fast and react too fast and say things too fast and it hurts the people we love and the people around us and like you said about last night it didn't really change anything with that guy sometimes i like giving people the benefit of the doubt maybe to a fault what is the reason that that person did that were they are they going through a really tough time in their life? There are so many different stories. I might have even shared one or two as we do the inspiration moments mm-hmm. at Toastmasters where you want to react to somebody of something that, because of something they said or did only to find out that they are going through a horrific time in their life. And if you did react, now you feel bad. And if you didn't, you say, wow, I am so glad that I didn't. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you, you just really never know. You never know. We talk about it all the time, and it's something that's obvious. It's something that everyone knows, but people don't consciously think about it. You don't know what anybody. You don't know what anyone's going through. And I, you know, I gave a speech. My humorous speech was about that. About you know, people around me didn't know what was going on with me, and looking at me like I was you know some sort of idiot. But you know, I was going through some like physical horrible things at, at a dentist appointment. So or after a dentist appointment. I won't get into that now. Maybe I'll tell that story someday if I get... If it's I a get, great story. It's, it's a great story. Super funny. I didn't win the contest telling it, but, you know, no, it was, it was, a, it was a good story. Um, and it's something I'll never forget. Let's talk about... You brought up your travel agency, and we were going to talk about it, but that was a good, it's a good time to, to segue into that. You are in an industry that, to me, before I met you, I, I, knew, I knew there were still travel agencies, but I really thought that was just a dead industry, completely dead because of the internet, because people just go on like the 50,000 different websites. And I was surprised that, that you own a travel agency. Uh, tell me about how you survived, how are you surviving that? And, and were you in the travel agency business as it was kind of being attacked by all these uh, internet sites? Well, my background is I was a tour guide mm-hmm. for Colette Tours, a company out of Rhode Island in the late 90s. And I traveled throughout Europe, in Britain, uh, Eastern U.S. and Southeastern Canada. And I love traveling. I love vacations. I love making people happy. It's part of that positive thing. And I used to be with people for two weeks in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. Oh, so you physically were a guy. Like you were physically taking them around to these places. I was the guy on the bus with the microphone. Yeah. Welcome to Germany. I will be your tour guide for the next two weeks. My name is Phil D. Albuquerque, and I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. And I can't wait to meet all of you on the bus. And I'd have 40 to 50 people from usually the states Mm -hmm. and so I got a chance to meet them and and be with them for two weeks and take care of them make sure everything was okay not just the tour but of course with them so because I enjoyed vacations and bringing people on vacations 
I wanted to go on a cruise and I called Carnival Cruise Line and they said you can book it with us or you can book it with a travel agent and I asked them is it going to be the same price they said it'll be the same price I said well I'm not going to book it myself then I'll just go to a travel agency and a lot of people don't know that it's the same price or less than if you go online I had to learn that and that wasn't that long ago a few years ago so I went to the travel agency and I booked my cruise and I really appreciate the fact that they told me everything I need to know about that cruise just like we do about every vacation that comes in I print all their documents I go over everything with them we get paid by the cruise line we get paid by the resort we get paid by wherever people are going because they know they're gonna have a better time than if they booked it online if they booked it even directly through them Carnival Cruise Lines, the resorts, they don't have time to stay on the phone for 10 or 15 minutes and answer every question that you have. What if the ocean is rough? What if I can't find my child? What is, they don't have time to go through that. We do. People come to me, they sit in front of me, or they call me. I, I book vacations all over the world. They don't need to be here in Lake Charles. And I'll stay on the phone as long as they need me, and they have me 24-7, literally, if something happens on their vacation or if they have a question, if they miss a flight. For example, I had a guy that missed a flight going to a cruise in Miami. He was in Lafayette. He called me up at 11 o'clock at night. The plane isn't going to go because the plane is scheduled to go to Dallas, to Miami, and the storm's in Dallas. I said, go have a drink. I'm on it. I jumped on my computer and I was able to arrange another flight where the airline couldn't do it. I don't want to mention a specific airlines, but they said, we'll get you on in the next flight tomorrow morning. That next flight tomorrow morning was gonna make him miss his cruise. So there are so many positive things about a travel agent, especially one with a storefront like mine, where people know that they can feel safe. They can come with any questions and people like paperwork still today too, and not just go online and have certain documents on their phone. Something happens to their phone, now they have no vacation. So, so many positive things about that. So I, I am able to take people from Right at the beginning, I get so many people that come in, Mark, that say, I want to go on vacation, but I don't know where. And they feel so bad. And I tell them, come have a seat. Let's talk. Tell me what you like. I'll lead you in the right direction and find you a good vacation at the price that you want. Really, That's good to hear. So really, it makes sense because when you go on vacation, you want it to be a vacation. You don't want to be, you don't want to be stressed out. I'll tell you right now, I don't probably vacation the appropriate way. <laughs> I, I wing it. Like I, I'll go. I kind of enjoy not knowing what I'm going to do, but it's also, that adds stress, that that adds unnecessary stress when I don't know exactly, I don't have a plan, and I don't know how things are going to work out, and, and that's actually good. I know a lot of people probably would rather have that, and I, you know, honestly, if I think about it a little bit more, it would be more relaxing, it'd probably be, you know, better, a better vacation. If I sat down and you would tell me like, hey, here's here's a suggestion that you could do. And, and I know, or I assume that you've been to a lot of these places. I know you travel a ton. So you can just, additionally, you can give your personal opinion or like, I've actually been to this place. I've gone to this restaurant. I, I'm sure you do things like that. If not, I have uh, four other agents in the office. Okay. And so between all of us, we've gone probably everywhere in the world. But it's important, uh, I'm glad you said that, that people know that so many people don't know about a vacation, how they want a vacation, and is it gonna be stressful and do I want it like this? And those are some of the questions I ask, Mark. And some people like to wing it, mm -hmm. they do. Some people say, I think I'm just gonna to go to the resort and wing it, Phil. And I say, fine. And then I have the opposite, 
and the people say, you know what, I want to know what I'm doing each day. I want to do an excursion. I want to do snorkeling. I want to make sure if I'm going to this place, I want to snorkel. If I'm going to this place, I want to zip line. If I, you know, certain things that they want to do. So some like it structured, some don't. But it's important, I think, like you say, to sit down and I can get it out of you. And you're going to take a vacation and go, how the heck did he know that's exactly what I wanted? Well, because I spoke to you and you told me. Well, and that's another advantage too because if I, let's say I, when I go somewhere, I don't know what's there. I don't know what's available. That's, that's kind of why I wing it. But if I had someone like you to tell me, hey, you can go snorkeling and it takes four hours. Like you can tell me that other than, otherwise I'm just going there. You know, I get to the hotel, maybe there's a concierge there, maybe I'm just looking at pamphlets, and, and I'm just like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Then, then I'm planning, like, as I'm going, like, building the airplane in flight, as they say. And, you know, it can be exciting, and that can be fun, too, and, it, you know, but it can also be bad. It can, it can, it's, it's a roll in the dice. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. So, uh, and obviously you, you love what you do, right? You love everything you do, so I mean, I guess. I do. <laughs> but, it, but you know what's nice about being a travel agent is people are happy when they come in, people are happy during the booking, and people are happy when they leave and when they come back. Yeah. They're happy. I have a friend of mine who owns a collision shop. He says, Phil, I envy you. The people are not happy when they come in. They're not happy through the process. They're not even happy when they pick it up. They yeah. are. They are not happy. So that, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, you're just, you're dealing with people that are just. It's a happy situation. Yeah. So and that's kind of that's why I chose real estate, honestly, because if people aren't happy all the time, but people are generally excited if they're looking for a house. People are generally excited to you know do the process, looking around, and they and they don't even see the part that I have to do. They don't they aren't part of all the paperwork and all the negotiating and stuff. So so they're they're that's my job is to keep them happy, keep them like oblivious to that, and then they're happy when I hand them the keys at the end. So so it's the same kind of thing, and that's it's really uh, no matter how bad a situation, no matter how hard a deal is for me, at the end of the day. When I'm handing someone the keys and you know, give them a high five and taking a picture to put on Facebook, that made it all worth it. No matter how long it took, you know, it's usually 30 to 45 days process, and it's just like, hey, this was just like smooth. It's always smooth. It's a, it's a duck on the it's a duck on the pond. You know, it's like everything's cool, and then you know your legs are going a million miles an hour underneath. So right, but uh, which I'm sure is the same with you. I'm sure it's even though it's fun. I'm sure it's work for you to go and like put together this perfect vacation package for somebody. But all they're seeing, they're you're seeing them being happy, and you're just trying to make them happy, and it's just like, just keeps going up and up and up, and then they get to come back and tell you how happy they are, and it's the same thing with houses. You know, people come back and say, hey, you know, when I check back with them, like, how how are things going? You know, a month later, two months later, they're still pretty darn happy. Like they're you know, they're homeowners now, and it's it's maybe it's sunk in a little more, and, and it's just it's fun. It's that's the I don't know, that's the rewarding part of of doing this and I'm sure that's the rewarding part for you especially being so positive all the time it must feel really good it does so you know uh, what I'm talk about next you're very articulate and very kind of serious and very in-depth for a clown let's talk about let's talk about this not maybe not a lot of people know about this outside of Toastmasters maybe they do maybe you tell a lot of people but you were a clown you went to you actually went to a clown college, and I'm not talking about Ohio State. You went to <laughs> the Ringling Brothers Clown College, which sadly doesn't exist anymore. But let me, I, I need to know, like, how did that come about? And I, I know the story, but tell the listeners how you 
went from, and I, I know you were, I'll let you tell the story, but I know you were going to school to be an engineer. Right. And then you decided that that wasn't for you and you wanted to be a clown. Please, please, please walk, walk me through that process. <laughs> well, a quick story on that is I never really ever decided to be a clown as a profession, ever. I was going to Michigan State, starting to be an engineer, like my dad. Uh, he was a project engineer for General Motors. So I was taking engineering classes, and of course, lots of math and science, and a lot of fun those are, right? Yeah, I'm not too good at math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people aren't. Yeah. But my dad always made it fun. So I enjoyed math and science and the things that most people don't find fun. And I saw a clown come in because I was flipping burgers and working in a, in a shop, a restaurant, to help paid for college and a clown came in fully dressed and everything makeup and costume and being goofy and ordering food and I was not the right customer for the clown I mean I did not think he was funny I was trying to get do my job mm. make his burger and get his drink and what he wanted and put it out there and he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff so as I'm putting it all together I said so you got to tell me what is this? And, and believe it or not, this was a graduate hall I was in. And this nice. clown is in this graduate hall. And he says, I'm studying in, in, here in graduate school. And there are just so many deep subjects and things. This, this is just a nice release. And it's a clown school, clown class in Lansing. Mm -hmm. So I take the bus 10 minutes every once a week or whatever it was. And I said, well, what do they teach you exactly? Like makeup? He said, well, yeah, makeup and costume and juggling and I said wait wait juggling he said yeah juggling and that's what hit me all of a sudden whoop because I always wanted to learn how to juggle and he says yeah they teach you how to juggle I said well I'm not crazy about the clown thing but maybe I'll go to learn how to juggle and he said it's a great class check it out so Mark I just went to that class to learn how to juggle I did right. not want to be a clown but as the class was intro to clowning I put on the makeup and learned how to costume and people at Michigan State were asking me, who knew me, said, hey, listen, why don't you do my kid's birthday party? Or why don't you do a balloon delivery for my girlfriend or a, my boyfriend or for their birthday? And so I'd make some extra money doing balloon deliveries, doing this. And it started to be fun. It started, I thought, wow, man, people are laughing. And I started doing funny character things. And one day, my clown teacher said, why don't you apply to the Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Clown School? It's the hardest school in the world to get into. They get thousands and thousands of applications and they take about one person per state down in Florida that's in Venice and so I applied not thinking anything and still moving on toward my engineering degree well just before I received my engineering degree maybe a few months before phone rings and it's Ringling Brothers Barnum Bailey Clown School the Dean calling me saying I was going to represent the state of Michigan in 1983 for the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Clown School. Now, if you remember, or maybe you don't, in 1983, because you're a young guy, there, were, remember 1983. <laughs> there, there weren't any, what is it called, uh, where you see the number on the phone? What's that called? Caller ID. Caller ID. See, I don't even know. I'm dating myself here. Yeah. There's no caller ID. There isn't anything. Right. So I'm thinking it's a friend of mine joking and I'm like yeah sure this is Ringling Brothers yeah sure and he hears this all the time the mm -hmm. guy and he says listen I'm gonna give you my phone number call me back because it is really the clown school and we really are accepting you and the funny thing is it was gonna be right after I got my degree so it's not like I had to stop my my schooling so I call him back and sure enough he answers and I said geez I'm so sorry he said it's okay I get this all the time but 
If you would like to come with us to clown school, like you mentioned with your application, we really liked your application. We'd like you to represent the state of Michigan. So once again, I got my engineering degree and I just told my parents, Mark, listen, you know what? Let, I, get, I was accepted to the clown school representing the state of Michigan. Let me go do this six months and I'll be back, dad, and I'll be an engineer with you and General Motors and whatever plans that we have. So they were a little shocked that I wanted to do this for six months, but I said, how fun, get out of engineering school go to clown school, then I'll come back and get a real job. Again, thinking I'm just going to the school. Mark, I went to that clown school, and just like some of the stories you've talked about, I looked at everybody else and said, this is not for me. My first reaction in my head, this is not for me. I am not going to make it here. There were people juggling fire, six-foot unicycles, juggling swords, things that I have never seen or done. And I said, these guys are going to make it in the circus, not me. And the school is all about making it in the circus. In fact, it's, it was tuition free, but if they want you to travel with the greatest show on earth, you have to. That's part of your contract. So they were developing these clowns and performers for the greatest show on earth. So I went all the way through the school and again, learning all the techniques and everything to travel with them, thinking I never was going to and still never wanted to. Now near the end, I have to admit, I was excited and thought, wow, maybe it would be fun to live on a circus train for a whole year. Maybe it would be fun to do this and do that because some of the performers did come and visit the school and tell us some stories. But I still thought I'd never make it. At the very end of the Clown College, there's a performance and the owner of Ringling Brothers Byron Bailey Circus sits in the stands. There's media everywhere. He also owned a Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas and he owned Disney on Ice. He owned a bunch of shows and he's sitting right there. So you're nervous as all heck and everybody has a number on them and we perform this final exam. And then the next morning, if he wants you to travel with the greatest show on earth, he comes to your hotel room, knocks on the, not him, but has a limousine driver knock on the door and you get in the limo and they bring you to his office. Still not thinking anything, Mark. My dad even flew to Florida to see the final exam and everything. He was all excited at that time. Yeah. <laughs> thinking I was coming back to engineering he came back to get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be flying back together. Yeah. The next morning, we're all having breakfast and we're all sitting together, all us clowns. I say clowns, but of course, just kids. And the first knock on the door is on my hotel room. And I open it up and there's the driver and he says, Mr. Ringling Brothers Byron Bailey Circus, Mr. Feld would like to see you. And I said, you must have the wrong room. That was my first reaction. He said, no, we know our rooms. I climbed in. And I sat right in front of the owner, Ringling Brothers Bar Millie Circus, like I am with you. And he handed me the contract, shook my hand, said, congratulations. We'd love you to travel with the greatest show on earth. And I shook his hand and I said, I just don't get it. I almost left, gave up, almost didn't even come when I saw everything. And even throughout the Clown College, I just didn't see that kind of talent that you'd be looking for. What is it that made you pick me, number one in the whole class? And he said, you know what, I can teach everything you talked about. I can teach you how to juggle and unicycle and stilt walk and everything you talked about that you don't know. But what I can't teach is what's inside your heart. And I've talked to the teachers and the students and I've watched you perform. And I know what's in your heart is what I want out there in my show for next year. And I'll teach you what I need to teach you to be out there. And that's how I did it. That's cool. That's deep, Phil. That's <laughs> some deep, deep stuff. But you're right though, it's not really a deep, a, you know, a deep profession. It yeah. is, it's really lighthearted, but you know what? I mean. I think, I think maybe in Toastmasters there's a lot of deep stuff yep. when I'm out there doing speeches. But I think 
I have a good balance. And my parents always said, you know, you have a good balance. You're lighthearted when you need to be lighthearted. You're serious when you need to be serious. And yeah, I, I don't. You, you are uh, you are very. Uh, people tell me all the time uh, the same thing that you said. I, I don't see it sometimes because that's just how I am. I react to things. My my thing, my shtick is uh, I'm a, I'm a smart ass, and and I will just be very quick to just say something to quip back something quick. But it's not always intelligent. Sometimes it's dumb on purpose. But people are like, wow, you're really quick witted, and and that is like a, a I guess a natural talent of mine. But people are like, you're people say, well, you're you're really smart, and I'm really not smart. But people always think I'm super smart just because I always have something to say about stuff. Um, and I, but I don't I don't think it's a big deal. But people always are telling me when I started real estate, people are like, "You're gonna be really good at this." And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. What are you talking about?" And so it's just interesting. But when you keep hearing things over and over again, it's not just people you know being positive and, and blowing smoke. It's you know there must be something there. That's a, that's a I don't know. That's a really neat story. I it reminded me. Uh, it brings me back to. Actually, on the, the first podcast I did talking about my my journey in the army, I I joined the army to I joined the reserves to go to college to pay for my college. That was it. Oh. I didn't I hadn't thought about it before. I didn't really care. I mean, I played army as a kid, you know, running around pretending, <laughs> sh- shooting bad guys and stuff. But that was not, you know. And I and I had I had even had recruiters call me on the phone, cold calls, and I'm like, yeah, thanks, uh, not interested. And then I went and did it. All right, you know, I, I signed up. And actually, basic training, still like, okay, I'm doing this for this reason. I'm doing this for the purpose of paying for my college. And then, actually, hey, this is actually not bad. This is actually kind of fun. I'm the camaraderie, all that, all that stuff. And then I actually liked it. And then, you know, as things went on and on, 9/11 and everything else, and like, then it became even more like a, different reasons, like actual importance of doing what I was doing. And it just kept. At no point did I plan I was going to keep doing this it just kept happening and kept happening because of different things and I don't want to say I was like going around like a pinball because it wasn't that but it was it was it was very you know deep reasons but it was different reasons every single time is a different reason and, and all of a sudden it's been you know 22 years and I'm like oh okay time to hang it up and start something new so it's kind of interesting how long did you do how long was the clown thing it was just one year one-year contracts, and okay. I signed one year. And about halfway through the contract, I realized, you know what? I love it. I'm so glad I did it. But I really want to have more of a, I don't know, normal life where you yeah. live in a real home, yeah. in a family, in a job, rather than living on a circus train. It gets old mm-hmm. pretty quick. But I am so glad I did it. But I denied the contract when uh, he asked me, you know, I, he said, would you like to travel again, Phil? And I said, I'm sorry. You know, I just got my de- engineering degree and traveled with you, and I think I'd like to go see what it's like. And he said, you know, go see what it's like. Go out there and just know that you can come back anytime you want. We'd love to have you again. Is it typical in that? Uh, was it typical back then for people just to keep doing it, doing it, doing it? Or was it a mixed bag or do you have no idea really? Yeah, I'd say the people, there were about 20 clowns on the show when I was there and maybe 10 of them, it was their second or third year, maybe five of them, their fourth or fifth year, and maybe, you know, three of them, maybe six or seven years. So people usually weren't staying too long. Yeah. But some people stayed a long time and really loved it. Some people had families on the show too, Mark. I mean, yeah. they, 
you can you can have a family and live right on that show. It's like a big family backstage. Do they become a family, or they were a family and they brought them with them? Like they they just are spending so much time with each other, they well start dating and stuff like that, or or is that was that what you're saying, or or people can actually bring their family that they had prior. The families that you do see on the show that were prior to the show performed together. Okay, I got you. So there was mom, dad, and and the kids performing maybe a dog act or a horse or some kind of an act there. But there were couples, the people that met on the show, that did bring up a family and and met on the show, married, and had children. And usually they would become performers and they'd incorporate them into the act. Okay, that's cool. I have one more circus question before we move on because I think everybody always probably wants to know this and I asked you this previously. How do you get all the clowns in the clown car? Tell me the secret. Is that, is that a magic? Can you tell? Can you share that with people, or is that going to ruin it for people? Well, you know what? The show is over, sure so is over. you'll still see some of it out there. But my first, I would get that asked at many interviews, especially radio and TV. And the first thing I'd tell them is there's a secret door in every arena, and that's where the clowns come up into the car, and you just don't see it. And everybody would say, I knew it, I knew it. And then I'd have to tell them, no, that's not true. There isn't a secret door, and we, because what if we didn't park over the door right and all that thing? I actually drove the clown car a couple times in Florida to go pick up supplies. It's a real car with a plate and everything. What it isn't is the inside of the car. In fact, I sat on a milk crate to drive the car to go pick up supplies. There is nothing in the car at all. So basically... There isn't a secret. It is what you see. We are all packed in that car, all of us. So when you see 15 people coming out of a car, there were 15 people in a car. And it's just all systematically put in there. Now, I was not in that clown car. I have an issue with claustrophobia and closed spaces and and being tight and can't move. So I was not in that. I was in the gig. I was still in the in that scene, but that's not part that I did. So they're just really, really close. That's it. That's the secret. That's it. Contortion. They, Contorted. Yeah, that's right. And oh, you laugh and you joke in there and you pick on people and you know, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. All right. So you've already provided a lot of value. I just wanted to add that, that piece of value to that because I think a lot of people wonder about the clown car. Maybe it's just me, but I, I know. They you, do. You, you said people ask you so. All the time. So let me ask you, t- talking about uh, interviews, you actually had a local TV show. You hosted a local TV show. I don't know how many years ago because I'm not from here, but people have told me about it. Uh, was it Wake Up Lake Charles? What's happening, what's, Lake Charles? What's happening, Lake Charles? So mm-hmm. what was happening with What's Happening, Lake Charles? Uh, how, how did that come about, and how long did you do that? Well, I had a newspaper called the Jambalaya News, and people got to know me in the area as you can tell I'm, I meet everybody no one's a stranger and they liked again like you say how happy and positive I was and Fox said we want to come up with a show called What's Happening Lake Charles but we're only going to do it if you have the time to do it it's not going to be a long segment we're going to do it every week once a week and we're going to tell people what's happening that following week and it's only going to be a few minutes long but it's going to be a show that we want you to do so I talk to them about the timing and dates and see if we could make it all work out. I said, sure, let's do it. So I did it. I believe it was four years. Okay. And what, it was every week. What years were that? Was that? I assume that was before Facebook when you can just look on, on I shouldn't assume, I shouldn't assume, but. No, it ended, know? it just ended in maybe 2000 and maybe 14 or oh, 15. Okay. It wasn't okay. 
No, so it was maybe 2010 to 2014 or 15, something like that. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. A, okay. There was still ways of getting information, but people still liked at the time to watch TV and watch, here's somebody like me, and I, I was always added a character to it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can imagine. I had... I had funny hats on. I'd have a Mardi Gras hat on for Mardi Gras. And if there was a rodeo coming up, I had a cowboy hat on. And That does I, not surprise me, Phil. None <laughs> of that surprises me. And people still are entertained mm-hmm. you know, to this day, Mark. You know, there, there are a lot of electronic entertainment today, mm-hmm. a lot of it. And my boy would be hooked on it if we didn't tell him to get off of it. And I know, you know, adults and people are. But people like to be entertained by watching people and costumes and, and live reports, I think, more than video so it, i think it was a great show but they they actually sold the station okay and i agree a lot of people just um i know just like so this is a business po- i'm trying to keep this podcast business related and I, I noticed you know people go to certain places for business related things and, and one of the biggest things is linkedin on online and it's just so stuffy it's getting better it's changing now people are starting to do content people are starting to be fun but you still have people saying like, mm, "This is business. What do you? Do? Why are you trying to be funny? Why you? This is serious. You're a, you're a clown. You're acting like a clown, and like that might offend you. Um, you know, it's it's, and it's funny because like those people that are are being clowns on a professional website are being noticed like crazy, and they're growing. Their their influence is growing. Their audience is growing." And because people resonate with that, people don't want to be serious all the time. There's serious topics, and there's times to be serious. But you can even be, you can have fun and be funny, or even around a serious topic. Uh, I mean, there's not to me. I'm sure you might agree with this. There's not a lot of times where you can't put some sort of, you know, humorous twist or spin on something, and it's, it doesn't have to be funny. It doesn't have to be humorous, but positive, because there's the negativity isn't really going away. The situation is the situation. But it's you know it's just how you look at it. So um, I think I think with all kinds of, of negativity and situations that you can talk about seriously, you can you can bring a positive side to it. For example, my little boy might not want to finish his dinner, and I'm very serious about that. He at his age, at nine years old, he's going to be ten, needs to know what he's he can put on his plate and what he can eat. Mm-hmm. Because we don't waste in our family. Mm-hmm. We don't waste. There are so many people that are hungry in this world. So I turn it around in a positive way. And he has traveled with us where he has saw he has seen hungry people. There were, there were some hungry people that he saw mm-hmm. out on the streets. We've been to Mexico together as a family. And I've pointed out to him at that time, and even when we get home now, there were some people on the streets. They didn't know what they were going to eat that day. Okay, we are very fortunate in this country to be able to go to a grocery store and have the money to buy food. So, yes, I'm serious when it comes to that. But, yes, like you say, I turn it in a positive way and say, this is why I'm serious. Because we waste more food in this country. Somebody said, I read an article, that we, that we, if we took all the food that we wasted in this country, we could feed all the hungry in the world. So, yes, there are some serious serious topics when, when you can be serious, something like that, whenever I talk to people about hunger and food. But I turn it in a positive way, not just to be negative about it, you know, to say that there is a solution, is the things that we need to think about. And I try to do that on social media as well, is to say, is to turn it in a positive way. And you know, Mark, you're not always going to be able to get people to turn it in a positive way. Some people, oh, as we started this, is just negative. And I let them go. Yeah. And some people just like being angry. Some people like being negative. Some people like being sarcastic. Some people like making excuses, like we started this podcast, to make themselves be a, a downer and, and 
be depressed and that sort of thing. And there is no reason. And if I get to know them well enough, I'll tell them there's no reason for you to be down. Let's go. Sometimes my boy's down. There's no reason for you to be down. Come on and point out the good stuff. Let's go. Let's go play. Let's go enjoy the sunshine. Let's go enjoy the trees or the butterflies or the birds. So even on social media, yes, it, I think it's a very cold medium because you don't hear voices and you don't see expressions. You don't have that connection. But I admire you for trying to go out there and trying to turn it in a positive way. And if they don't take it that way, well, I'm glad you tried. Yeah, no, and, I, and I'm going to keep doing it. That, the biggest thing is I just keep doing it. And, and I, I try to take a page from you because I do, part of it, I, I joke about it. Part of it is like, I want to see something. If I, if I do try to change someone's attitude, I want to see the attitude change. But I got that's the part I got to get beyond. I just do it to do it. Just be positive. And if they don't, just like you just said, if they don't want to be positive, they're not going to be. But at least they can see what positive looks like. They can see what difference. They can see that, oh, I could just, this could be better. Like this, I could be happier. And if they don't want it, they don't want it. And maybe someday something, somebody will click, something will click with them. It may not be me. And it doesn't matter if it's me. I'm just, I don't need credit for it. I just need to, to do it. So. And don't forget too, Mark, on some of these mediums like Facebook, not everybody comments. And I can't tell you how many people I see out there in the community that say to me, I don't comment on a lot of your things, but I love what you post. I love what you say. I love what you said to this person. I appreciated how you turned this around. Mm -hmm. So I'll also keep in mind, when I post and I send messages to people and I comment, it's not necessarily for that particular person, but for other people that are looking too. Right. And I've heard that too. Uh, when I did some live video challenges on Facebook for an entrepreneurial group that I'm in, people would the same people would comment over and over again. But then I would, same thing, what you said, people would comment offline or maybe private message like, hey, a specific question or a specific comment about something I said. And I was like, oh, okay, so people are listening. So it's good because it is, there is a, there is a emotional element to it. It's like you kind of want people, you kind of want to know people are listening, but everything I've heard, every podcaster, every, you know, social media expert I've ever heard always says the same thing. When you start out, you're just going to be talk it's going to seem like you're just talking to yourself right. and you just have to not you have to not be bothered by that because people will just eventually start listening when you provide value not not just hey i am valuable listen to me it's not going to happen instantly no matter what so that's right and it's tough it's just tough to wrap your head around that and to just keep reminding yourself that so you have to but stay I'm, positive and just I'm, know people are listening Mark. people are listening <laughs> that's right and i appreciate all you listening let's let's say we're going a little long i want to one more quick story because it's super interesting i want to talk about the bar that you have in your house it's <laughs> just a really cool story maybe the uh, a summary of how that came about and and then what you do your ritual that you have with the bar around the bar well, I'll tell you how it started, is when we moved to Louisiana, again, coming from the north, we had fun, but I don't think we had the fun that we have down in Louisiana. And when I came down here, it was the end of 03. It was just shortly thereafter that somebody asked us to be in a fashion show, just because I was a happy guy, I don't know. Is your shirt, it was your shirt. It might have been my shirt. <laughs> so I was going in the Civic Center looking for this fashion show and every room I went in people were drinking and partying and I thought it was just 
birthday parties or celebrations or something. So I, I never found the room. Mm -hmm. I went through the whole <laughs> building and I had to go back to the office and say, well, I just never found the room for the fashion show. And they pointed to a room where everybody was drinking and having a good time and partying. Mm -hmm. And I said, it can't be that one. That's a big party going on. And they laughed and they said, you're not from here. Are you? <laughs> so I went in there and sure enough, hey, Phil, come on in, have a drink. Get ready to have the fashion show in a little while. I learned that it's all about having fun and partying and laughing and joking, and that's what we like to do down here. Yep. So when we started the newspaper, the first thing that we wanted to do was make sure it was building with some fun in it, and we yeah. bought this bar. Okay. Coincidentally, it was from Boston, where I'd come from. Nice. And they shipped it down and had this bar. And we did some fundraisers for the American Cancer Society and did some fundraisers where people came and did wine tasting and that sort of thing. But it's really for socializing and my friends know, even on a moment's notice, they can text me, hey, is the monkey bar open? It's called the monkey bar. That's another thing I like the name, monkey bar. It's fun. Yeah. And fun. We, we've had a lot of fun there. Well, where did the name monkey bar come from? That came from a it had to do with the newspaper. Mm -hmm. There was an editor that had monkey bar ends with books in the middle, okay. and she had a story with her monkey bar, her monkey ends, monkey book ends. And because of that, it was so funny that we named it the monkey bar yeah. after the monkey book ends. And now we do have monkey book ends at the bar. Nice, <laughs> so, nice. But it is a fun name, and it's a it's a lot of fun. You asked about the ritual that we yeah. have every night. Yes, is. I was going through a time where I just liked being, I, I was alone for 40 years, and I, and I don't mind it. I, I like being alone. I love a lot of friends, mm -hmm. but as far as relationships and that sort of thing, you know, I'm okay uh, being alone. And there was a girl that posted something on Facebook that was really dark. Mm -hmm. And I try to reach out to my Facebook friends, even if it's just a, a light, positive way, as we talked about, and said, geez, I hope you're okay. It seemed kind of dark, that post. Hope you're all right. And she private messaged me back and said, I'm not really going through a good time. And I mentioned to her, listen, if you would like to come over for a drink, and I made it very clear, this is not a date or trying to have a date because I'm very happy where I am. But if you'd like to just talk, you know, people say I'm a nice person to talk to, come on over. So she came over late that evening. She had, she worked late and she came over and sat at the monkey bar on a certain at a certain spot of the monkey bar and I was on the other end and I poured her a, a drink it was actually a shot of chocolate vodka because she liked vodka I said try this that we had at the bar and we became friends we saw each other maybe once a week and ironically she said the same thing to me if you're looking for something more than friends then this isn't going to work this is hopefully what you said is true this is just going to be somebody to talk to and just to make sure that you know we're okay together and your your life's okay in mine and we can and it's nice not knowing somebody because they don't know what you're all about i didn't know what she was all about and she can tell me things and i can be blunt with her she can be blunt with me yep you're her bartender bartender exactly yeah, yeah. 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 like cheers you know yeah. just yeah. lay it on me i'll yeah. tell you what i think but believe it or not after a couple of months or so i thought wow what a what a wonderful heart this person has what a wonderful soul and i could tell there were starting to be feelings there mm -hmm. and it wasn't but maybe a few weeks after that we started dating, and I said, you know, we started talking, and I said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, and I hope this doesn't scare you, but it kind of looks like it's going in a, in a direction more than just friends. And the ritual that you talked about that we have, Mark, is every night she sits in the same chair where we met, I sit in the same chair where we met, 
and we make each other a drink. I make a couple of drinks and hand it to her and we cheers. And now it's been three years and two months and it's just nice. It's nice to end the day there. I get getting goosebumps thinking about it. We end the day together at the monkey bar and we talk about life and what happened throughout the day and our boy. I say our boy and, and so everybody knows that's, that's listening. It's, it's her boy. Mm-hmm. Gavin is her, her nine-year-old boy and uh, I'm now his daddy yeah. and we have a great family and we discuss things at the end of the day and it's always been important to me anyway in any relationship is to start the day together and end the day together. It's a great ritual that we get to sit where we met every night. Well, Phil, that is awesome, and that, this is a great way. I can't possibly go anywhere after that. Uh, it's a great time to uh, to end the, the podcast. I hate to end the podcast, but we have to eventually, and uh, that was a great story. That is, I love that story, and I've heard it before, but I definitely wanted the listeners to hear it, and I wanted you to tell it because I know you probably it probably means a lot to you, so I know it means a lot to you, so it's fun listening to you tell that story. So I just want to thank you so much. And I don't want to focus on how hard it was to get this together because that's negative. That's right. It, it happened, and yeah. it was awesome. It was exactly what I wanted. I, I want to tell the listeners, in case you're upset with me, because I, I did my first podcast a month ago, and I my intention was just to keep rolling through. But I absolutely wanted Phil to be my first real guest because my daughter you know, was on the first podcast. Phil, I, wanted you, I told you that right off the bat. I wanted to be the first guest, and... It was worth, like, no matter how long I had to wait, no matter what we had to do, I wanted to talk to you, and I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate anyone listening, and now and in the future, if you enjoy this podcast, there's more to come. Maybe maybe I'll have Phil back He's, uh, at some point. Um, it, it's just it's great to talk to you, Phil, and I appreciate you sharing everything. And uh, if you guys like this podcast, please write a review, hit subscribe, and I will be putting them out on a regular basis, I promise. You'll have a good day and stay positive. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Yep.